Good morning and welcome to worship here at the First Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us virtually today. Glad that you have chosen to make this hour a portion of your week as we gather today in this third week of Eastertide. We continue in this Easter season understanding that uh, the alleluias of the risen Christ are still appropriate as we sing together and as we uh, enjoy the, uh, the joy of this season. We light the Christ candle understanding that uh, the risen Christ not only uh, walked with the disciples on the road uh, to Emmaus, not only appeared to the disciples in many ways over those 50 days, but that risen Christ is present and in our midst here in this place and in this time. And so you are made welcome as we uh, invite you to light your own candle there at home and to continue our worship together today. Good morning. Please join me in the call to worship. O oh God, be gracious and hear my prayer. Know that God has set us apart and hears us when we call. O oh God, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. O oh God, be gracious to us and hear our prayer. Let us worship God. 
let Christians sing, the cross stands empty to the sky. Let streets and homes with praises ring, love drowned in death shall never Christ is alive, no longer bound to distant years in Palestine, but saving, healing here and now, and touching every place and time. In every insult, rift, and war, where colors scorn or wealth divide, Christ suffers still, yet loves the more, and lives where even hope has died. Women and men in age and youth can feel the Spirit, hear the call, and find the way, the life, the truth, revealed in Jesus, freed for all. Christ is alive and comes to bring good news to this and every age, till earth and sky and ocean ring with joy, with justice, love, and praise. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. If you are able, please text or message someone in the congregation and share with them the passing of the peace. Christ is risen, earth and heaven nevermore shall be the same. Break the bread of new creation where the world is still in pain. Tell its grim demonic chorus, Christ is risen, get you gone. God the first and last is with us. Sing Hosanna, everyone. Today we have a gospel reading from the crucifixion story. It is still um, the Easter season, but the reason we celebrate Easter is indeed because Jesus died first. So here are these words from Luke. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, 
one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. to share joys and concerns this morning. We have a joy that might sound a little odd, but Cheryl Herador is in the hospital right now um, preparing for a liver transplant that will be coming in the next days or weeks, and she is excited for that prospect and for that to bring healing and new life into her. I also want to point out that the flowers today are in honor of Kirk Hines' birthday. Um, just keep their that his family and your prayers as they remember a life well lived and still miss his presence. So now let's join in the unison discipline of confession followed by a time of silence. Good and gracious God, we are creatures of dust, ignorant of your revelation, misunderstanding your life, death, and resurrection among us, needing forgiveness. We repent of our failure to you to give as you have given to us. We beg your mercy for our fallen world. We seek your word that we may live with the faith of Jesus. Be our solace in this life and always. We ask this as your own children, holy and incomplete. Forgive us and lead us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, your plea for absolution has been heard. God's promises are sure. Your sins are forgiven. Peace be with you. Let's pray. 
Gracious God, sometimes it is hard to find the words to pray. Another shooting, another life ended too soon, another death from COVID. You have given us language and words to express ourselves, but as atrocities keep repeating themselves and the cycles of injustice continue to spin round and round, sometimes we wonder what new words are there to pray. So instead of looking for new words today, God, I ask that you look into our hearts and continue to shape them to look more like your own, Lord. See our cares and burdens from a weary world and take them into your steady hands. Give comfort, strength, courage, and wisdom in abundance to those who need them. And as always, surround us with your love. Thank you for your presence that indeed you are always with us, walking by our side. Help us to further your presence and love in this world so that when others see us, they see you. Guide our actions to reflect a deep love of neighbor and open our eyes to see the world as you do. Now bring us together in spirit as we pray the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, what faith means to me is living as though what we hope for is real, even though we don't have complete certainty. As far as my faith journey, I was born when my parents were in seminary. My parents were both missionary kids in Thailand. That's how they met, um, both Baptist, one Southern and one American. Um, and so my dad was waiting to be called to an American Baptist church. And when I was five, he was to a small town, Broken Bow, Nebraska, sort of West Central, about 4,000 people. And we were there for about nine years. And that's where I, my sister and I both, at one after another, got baptized. When I was in eighth grade, we moved to Grand Island, Nebraska, and my sister and I got more involved uh, in being part of worship, performance side of worship, um, which has been very important to me for a long time. I went to college not very far away in Hastings, Nebraska. I was a very quiet, shy person, but I didn't ever feel like I had confusion about who I was or what I believed. My, my parents are much more liberal than you would think when I tell you that they are American Baptist pastors in central Nebraska. So it was a very academic, uh, conversational growing up. We did a lot of reading out loud and talking about the symbolism and the allegories in C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and seeing God in everything we do or like or read or find. College was good though because I met as one does 
more variety of people and people who thought differently from my family and people who were more conservative Christians than my parents were, although the churches we've been in mostly were. Um, and also people who didn't have a faith base. I met Ashton Lambie, who was an atheist and decided to become a Christian so that I would marry him, which I did. Um, I have I have always felt like, I don't know about always, but certainly for a long time felt like God goes where we go. And if we're paying attention, God is with us to talk to or think to or just be with. So we got married. We moved to Lawrence. This was 2014. I started grad school in Flute. And this is the part that people will remember. We went to First Baptist and that became our church right away. Um, and it was such a relief to me to go to a church in a new place without the option of going back to the church where my parents were pastors and have it be somewhere I wanted to be. I feel quite strongly about my denomination, not because in spite of the fact that the aesthetics often are not what I prefer, I believe in all the things that make us Baptist. I believe in church autonomy. I believe in uh, individual coming to faith and all of those important things that are why we are free church to begin with. My memories of being in Lawrence, especially of the church are, it was exactly what church was supposed to be in 2018 to Lincoln, but I, I, missed, I missed the Lawrence church. And then COVID happened and I was invited to move to Montana by myself and here I am. And really the only thing that, there, that I knew would be here when I got here was the same God who'd been in all those other places I'd been and a job. The people here who are not mostly Christians, the ones I'm friends with, have still been friends to me the way a church often is when I really needed it. And my church in this horrible time when we can't be at church in person is there for me in a way that it otherwise wouldn't have been because I can go back to my church in Lawrence and be with those people who are my family and will take care of me when I'm here very far away from everyone else by myself. For our sentences of stewardship this morning, I thought I'd share very briefly with you uh, the story of Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. When Dan was 12 years old, he told his dad he wanted to do two things. He wanted to be a professional golfer and a fighter pilot. Kind of an interesting combination. Well, he had to pursue the golfer part first, and that brought him here to Kansas, where he attended the University of Kansas, was on the golf team, and graduated in the mid-1990s, and then went off to fulfill uh, the second goal and ambition, and that was to become a fighter pilot, which he also did, flying an F-16. He did three tours of combat duty in Iraq. He's since written a book called Fly Into the Wind. One of the things he talks about is we all have the gift of choice every day. 
And for Dan, that gift of choice is service before self. And he has founded Folds of Honor. This is an organization that provides scholarships to military families who have lost a service member uh, during uh, much of the fighting that's been going on over the last 20 years or uh, someone who has become disabled in their service to our country. For us, what does that mean, service before self? Well, on the front of the bulletin today, if you bother to print or look at it, it's a copy of a picture of our food pantry. That is one way that you can do service before self. Another way, of course, is our congregation continues to have financial needs. So as Christy plays our offertory this morning, please consider making a donation of either your time or your monetary gifts. God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above the heavenly hosts, Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. 
the, uh, the money flies around virtually from one account to another account and uh, none of us even touch the dollars and cents or a piece of paper to write a check so often anymore. But that doesn't mean that the ministry that is done is not real and tangible and on fire with your spirits. God, we thank you for the real things that get done with those uh, acts of generosity by your children in these moments. God, we pray that you would bless these uh, dollars and cents and um, the money that changes hands in these moments, that indeed you might be honored and glorified in these days. In your name we pray, amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In his sanctuary, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him. I will extol the Lord my God. I will extol the Lord my God. And I will bless his name for. I will bless his name forever. And praise to be praised. He is righteous and holy. The Lord is gracious and kind. The Lord is gracious and kind. Full of compassion, slow to Firmament of his power, let everything that hath 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 praise the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise Him. Praise Him.
music. So kids, it is your time of the service. Get into a position to listen well, to be present with me through the screen. This time is just for you. So did you know that God has given you special gifts and talents just for you to share with other people and that God has a plan and a place for you to use those gifts? And one of those places is the church. In the story today, they talk about it's the very early church, the first people to follow Jesus and to gather together and to celebrate him. And the disciples, they were doing a lot of work and they were teaching so much that more and more and more people started following Jesus, which was really exciting and great. But one of the other jobs the disciples had was to care for the widows and to give food to people that needed it. And some people realized that the disciples were teaching and spending so much time teaching and telling other people about Jesus, which was a great thing, but the people that needed food weren't always getting it. And so the disciples said, let's pick some people who are full of the Spirit of God, who have special gifts and talents and a heart to care for widows and to give people who need food, food, and to deliver it to them. And so they appointed some special people just to do that. So the disciples were able to teach other people about Jesus and focus on that. And these people that they appointed were able to care for the widows and to give food to people that needed it. So God has given you special gifts. I don't know what they are, but as we become more and more time in person, I'm excited to get to know you all and to learn about those special gifts and talents that God has given you. And you have a special place right here in church. One of those things, one of that places in your roles right now is to be a kid. Because being a kid can be hard work sometimes. It can be fun, your job is to play, but you also get to learn how to be a friend and how to live in this world and figure all these things out. And so that's one of your jobs right now that God has given you is to be a kid. But I know some of you also come and help at Mobile Food Pantry or come and help at um, the Food Pantry on Wednesdays and that there are lots of other ways that you help out and show people God's love in your community. And so I'm excited to discover those things with you as I get to meet more and more of you in person and to learn about how God is using you in your community to show love to others. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you for giving us each special gifts and talents that we can use to show others your love. Please guide us to know how to use these gifts. Help us as we play, as we learn, as we love. Please watch over the children this week, protect them, keep them safe, and help them have fun. Amen. This morning, I read from the book of Acts. Now, that may feel different for us because it's not the book of Luke. Uh, for the first time since uh, the middle of Advent, now we have moved from uh, our gospel reading here in our narrative lectionary uh, into what is sometimes called the sequel of Luke. Uh, many of you know that uh, the, the author who wrote Luke also wrote the book of Acts. 
that those two books kind of uh, are uh, uh, part one and part two of the story of what happened when Christ was with us and then after he left in the early church. And so uh, today I read from Acts chapter six as we uh, continue that story, as we hear now uh, the story of Stephen. Now it's a long story, I'm not gonna read all of it, um, but today I'll read the beginning of the story of Stephen and the ending. Here now from Acts chapter six, and then continuing on in a few moments in chapter seven, these words. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the 12 called together the whole community of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task. While we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles and prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And now we move to verse 51 of chapter seven, in the middle of Stephen's speech to the council. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed one who, those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. Well, do you all know the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads? It's a, kind of a way to talk about news broadcasts who uh, uh, tend to, to put the most violent imagery at the very beginning of their newscast. Oftentimes it's local, but really even national. 
uh, news follows this pattern. If it's, if it's about something tragic, if it's about something dangerous, if it's about uh, a death, if it's about uh, some grisly uh, story, that will, will lead off the newscast, uh, hoping that people will pay attention and watch uh, such uh, sensationalistic uh, stories. Well, I, I would suggest that... Uh, uh, the, the church for the last 2,000 years has followed that dictum. If it bleeds, it leads. Because when we hear about the story of Stephen, that's all we hear about is his death. It's the way that he was stoned at the end of his life. And, and so it's, it's kind of as if we uh, have to focus on this same point of his uh, life over and over again. We, we talk about uh, the fact that he's the, the first Christian martyr. Uh, that's if you know anything about Stephen, you know that's what he was. He, he was killed for his faith. Uh, but, but even then, beyond that, uh, to, to look and find a picture of Stephen, do a quick Google search of the, of the Apostle Stephen, and you'll find that everything has to do with this moment in which he was killed, in which he was stoned at the end of his life. Um, even uh, uh, these, uh, uh, these old kind of uh, medieval icons will have these pictures of, of Stephen with these stones like hovering right next to him, like they're getting ready to uh, kill him in this, in this moment. It's Sunday school curriculum. Look, it's Sunday school curriculum. Every picture of Stephen has these grisly, like bloody images of this guy with people with angry, with rocks getting ready to, to, to stand there, getting ready to kill him. I mean, uh, Stephen is the, the, the patron saint of stonemasons, for crying out loud. Come on, come on, church. We can do better than this. We can do better than this one moment in Stephen's life. I would suggest that there is a lot to the story of Stephen beyond this final moment that we read this morning. In fact, um, it's a very powerful story. We read uh, of the uh, experience of the early church, uh, as Christina was saying. Now, uh, one of the things that, that, that shocked me as I read some, a lot of scholars um, um, put this on a timeline not directly after the Pentecost. So we read in, in Acts chapter 2 of the Pentecost in which the, kind of the, the, the church is born and the, the Spirit uh, comes down and people rush out and begin to uh, convert. And we, we have this special moment in Acts 2 where it says that everybody uh, believed together and everybody uh, shared their goods together. They, they, they sold what they had and they gave them to the entire community, right? In, in Acts chapter 2, that's, that's a this beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. But a lot of scholars will suggest that by the time we get to chapter 6, it's been not only days, not only weeks, but as many as six years later that this story begins to unfold. And so some time has passed, and the question of uh, can we continue to be uh, together, can we continue to, to support one another, well, um, it has waned just a bit. There are inequities in fact, and as I read just a few moments ago, there are inequities uh, based on race, based on um, kind of a cultural uh, background. Uh, as you well know, if you read most of the Bible, you'll see that uh, uh, it tells us again and again and again to care for uh, those that are, are most in need. Uh, very often those are the widows. Uh, widows in that time and in that place did not have an ability. If they had no husband, they had nobody to care for them, they could not go get a job on their own. Uh, and so they were the most vulnerable, most dependent on others. Uh, we read again throughout from, a, uh, from the Torah all the way to, to Hebrews, talking about how important it is to care for the, the widows and orphans, to care for those uh, who are uh, the most vulnerable, right? Those that, that need the church, that need God's people to, to gather around them and care for those needs. 
uh, well, we find that there were uh, kind of uh, inequities even in, in the way that the widows were cared for. Uh, there were two different uh, groups of widows. Uh, the first is uh, what, what Acts might call the, the Hebrew widows. Those were those that were uh, from Palestine. Those were kind of what we call the Holy Land, right? So around Jerusalem or, or Galilee in that, that area, uh, those folks who um, are Hebrew-speaking, actually Aramaic-speaking, and, and they uh, then have this cultural uh, kind of assumption of uh, all of these people uh, are, are kind of nearby each other, right? Now, at this point, remember that, that all of these folks, uh, even the early church, they would all have considered themselves still all Jewish, they were all Hebrew in one way or another, uh, and yet there were some who were uh, Jewish converts that lived in other parts of the, the region, other parts of the world. Uh, they were called um, the diaspora, uh, the scattered. They were uh, sometimes referred to as Hellenistic uh, Jews or Hellenistic uh, Christians because they, uh, as Christ followers, uh, lived in all of these different places. You know, we saw them come into uh, Jerusalem for the Pentecost, but then they went back to their own places, right? All these, these 3,000 that, that joined the church that day uh, went to these different places. And so there were these other places of, of Christ followers that popped up in, uh, all around in the region. And so they were uh, farther away from kind of the center of the, uh, where the apostles taught and what was going on in the church uh, kind of leadership. And so they, they got uh, kind of left out. Uh, the further out they, they were. Uh, they were called Hellenistic because they were Greek. That doesn't mean necessarily that they spoke Greek or they were from Greece, uh, but because uh, Hellenism or, or kind of this uh, Greco-Roman uh, culture was what surrounded all of uh, Palestine, then they were uh, associated with that. They were more enculturated. They were more uh, Greek in, in their understanding of the world. And more to the point, they were out there. Um, they were far away. And so while the, the church was able to focus on those that were nearby and, and able to connect to those folks, the, the ones that were further away, well, they got left out. Uh, the Hellenistic widows uh, were the ones that did not uh, receive what they needed. Uh, they uh, often went hungry. Their needs were not met. They were not cared for uh, in the same way. And, uh, you know, here just a, a few years after this, this moment in which we've all gathered together and we're all going we're gonna to care for each other and we're going to love each other and we're going to give each other what we need. Yeah, that, that worked well for a, a time, but pretty quickly, within just a few years, we see it falls apart. Because <laughs> it always falls apart, even with the best of intentions. Those that were outsiders, marginalized, outside of the community, were left out and hungry and cold. It always happens. It, it still happens. I'd like to thank the good folks at the Lawrence Journal World for providing my uh, sermon illustration in black and white this week. If you get the newspaper, you saw that indeed Tuesday had two pieces of bad news on the front page. The first news is that 100 beds to be eliminated at Brandon Woods' home. Brandon Woods, which is uh, one of our nursing communities. If you don't live in town, you don't know uh, exactly what uh, Brandon Woods is, is all about. Uh, it's a, a community that has kind of graduated care. And so there is a uh, kind of assisted living, there is independent living, and then uh, for those who need it, there is more uh, specific nursing care 
that is able to provide those uh, of the greatest need. Um, that's the need that will be eliminated by the end of the year, if not much sooner. And so a lot of folks who assumed that they would have that care, would have that safety net, now see they will not. It appears that the out-of-state owners of Brandon Woods have deemed it too expensive to be able to keep the nursing care facility working. And then on the top of the page, we hear the news that the school board has approved a plan to close Kennedy Elementary. Now, full disclosure, my wife teaches or has taught at Kennedy Elementary, and so I have seen firsthand uh, what an amazing school this is. It's uh, over on the east side of town, and it's a, a neighborhood school. Uh, a lot of folks just are able to walk to that community right there, uh, just a few uh, blocks away. And it has become a place uh, with, a, with a lot of uh, deep needs. Uh, some of the most at-risk families in our community live there around Kennedy. There's a lot of uh, indigenous families that live as it's connected and close uh, to the, the student population of uh, Haskell University. And so uh, there are great needs there. At Kennedy and I've been able to see again firsthand how they have done incredible things test scores have gone up and up they've done amazing things and and the families and the staff are fiercely loyal to Kennedy but again because of money the K through 5 will be closed at the end of the school year leaving those children to go to other places much farther away from their own neighborhood and as I read the newspaper this week, I ask the question, Lawrence, where have we gone wrong? When did we decide that it's okay to leave out the widows and the orphans once again? Here in the midst of the time when so many people have lost so much, we tell them you need to lose a little more the most vulnerable in our community, the most vulnerable in our midst, we tell them, sorry, you're out of luck. Now, I don't, I don't just uh, blame the, the school board. I don't, I don't just blame those, those out-of-state uh, owners. Uh, perhaps they have a, a portion of the blame, but I think this is on all of us. Just like a, I preached a few weeks ago about all y'all, this is on all of us myself included. Anytime any one of us have perpetrated the myth that, uh, that kids on the east side of Lawrence are somehow uh, less desirable, that those schools aren't the places that we want to go. So over, over the courses of years, uh, drawing lines and, and changing the district so that we make sure that we starve those neighborhood schools so that they don't have what they need. Because after all, we don't want our kids to go to, to school with those people. Or we perpetrate the myth that nursing homes are gross, disgusting places that don't smell good, and we don't want to be around those kinds of things. Or maybe we simply go to the point of expecting that our teachers, our school administrators, aren't doing enough miracles in the lives of our children. It's their fault that these things are happening. Or we do the same with nurses and medical professionals. They aren't doing enough miracles either. 
in the lives of the most vulnerable around us. Or maybe some of us are getting all, all hot and bothered about a, a, a new law, a new possibility that we can uh, find a, a transgender athlete law. That'll fix all of it. A law that's likely to impact five students across our state. Instead of demanding that our politicians pay attention to the 500,000 students who need somebody to care about them across the state. Or maybe we join in as we fight back against expanding Medicare, against the ACA, against uh, finding ways to care for those in our midst as in community after community, hospitals and nursing homes close again and again and again and again throughout the state of Kansas because we say it's simply too expensive for us to care about the widows and the orphans. If it bleeds, it leads. And I don't think I'm overstating this, that I believe that blood is on our hands, church. And the widows and orphans pay the price. It was with a similar level of anger and frustration that the early church bubbled over. There were insiders and there were outsiders, and the outsiders were getting left out. But <laughs> it's not the end of the story. We find in these pages this incredible story of what happens when the church of Jesus gets called on their mistakes and say, this is not right. Now, the apostles could have uh, heard these words about the, uh, the Hellenistic widows and said, well, well, it's your own fault. It's your own mismanagement. You've done something wrong. But no, they said, we'll fix it. This is on us. And so the 12 gathered together, these seven individuals <laughs> and they put him in charge scholar Justo Gonzalez helps me to see what, what's at stake here they didn't just say well we'll, we'll, go, we'll get some of y'all and we'll put y'all on a committee right choose somebody and you'll, you'll have a representative right on our, our food pantry committee or, or why, don't, why don't you just uh, talk about it and, and give us a good report and then we'll, we'll consider that next time we meet no 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 they went out to the margins. All seven of these individuals have Greek-sounding names. They went out to those who had been left out, and they came and brought them and put them in charge. And they said, you tell us from your experience of being left out how to do this ministry. They put them in charge and said, you can make us a better church. And they didn't just, uh, again, put them on a committee. They, they said, uh, you will be blessed. And they, they laid their hands on them. This is the first time the church has done this, this practice in its history to lay its hands on these seven individuals and say, you are blessed. You are empowered to do this ministry. And it depends on your uh, uh, translation. Some will say that that word for diakonos uh, it talks about waiting on tables, uh, caring for needs, uh, working the food pantry. 
Uh, but it also has another translation, and I think it means both, uh, also uh, sometimes translated as, as keeping accounts. In other words, they, they didn't just say, oh, you go do this stuff. They, they gave them the church credit card. They gave them the money to say, you need to do this. You are now in charge of this. This is your ministry. They empowered these people to keep the accounts, to be in charge of the ministry, and to, to do these amazing things, not only for, for their widows, but for all of the widows. All of the orphans. All of the vulnerable in their midst. And they put these people who had experienced being outside in the middle. Because that's what the church of Jesus does. <laughs> and that's exactly what, uh, what we see in our own world today, isn't it? We see <laughs> this experience of, uh, um, of power when we go out into the uh, the outside and, and invite folks to come and teach us from their experience. That's who Stephen was. That's why we know who Stephen was. That's his story. I know it took me a long time to get back to him, but that's why he matters. Because he was one of those seven. Just like so many of you in these last um, weeks and months. You know, there's this, uh, this powerful thing that happens. <laughs> when you start working in the food pantry, look out. When you start volunteering among those vulnerable in our midst, be careful. When you, when you start to, uh, standing next to the marginalized and inviting them to, to, to speak into to your life, what's happening in their lives, you've got to watch out. Because the Spirit of God will empower you through them if you're not careful. The power of God does amazing things through those who are in charge of the food pantry. And when Stephen became in charge of the food pantry, the Spirit of God got a hold of him and never let go. <laughs> it was funny. The, the apostles said, okay, oh, you do this ministry and we're going to go out and preach. And as soon as they turned their heads, Stephen was gone. He was out to preach too. He said, no, 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 no. I've seen what happens when the broken come into our midst. And we got to go, we got to go get more. We gotta bring the broken here. We gotta tell them what the risen Christ is about. We gotta tell them what Jesus means to us. And Stephen went out. Now I would suggest that the, the death of Stephen is simply a footnote to the way he lived. He lived and he preached and he did these amazing acts and he did these amazing uh, uh, stories of who Jesus was and he told them this is who we must be as a church and so they were. Again, Gonzalez says, do not underestimate the fact of what Stephen and those seven did for the church. And he became known not only for his death, but even in his death. As he stood in the council, as he stood on the establishment. You know, when, when you start to, to follow the food pantry out the door, when you start to, to, to go out to the margins, when you start to ask those people on the outside, tell us about your life, you know, the people on the inside don't like it much. The establishment doesn't like it much. The council didn't like it much. And when Stephen told them about it, they were so angry. The only response was to kill him. And yet, and yet, Stephen always inclusive, always embracing those on the outside, prayed for them, 
just like Jesus, as they killed him. Stephen teaches us what it means to be the church of Jesus. In his death and in his life. You know, there's two phrases that I've heard several times over these, uh, these last month, months, several months, uh, that drive me nuts, drive me crazy. Um, one of those phrases is that uh, the, 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 when churches talk about doing in-person worship, they say, well, we're talking about opening the church back up. Ooh, ooh. Makes my skin crawl when I hear that. You know why? Because what that sounds like, what that presumes is that the church has been closed. That somewhere along the way we turned the sign around and said, we'll see you after the pandemic, we're all done. Mm. And that makes me angry because I know, I have seen. And what that does is that minimizes the work that all these people out here that you cannot see in this moment haven't been working their tails off to make sure that you can see and make sure that you can hear and have as a buffer-free zone as possible so that we can continue to worship together. And all of the, the work, the work of the staff, the work of, of the ministry has not been closed. It has continued. In fact, tell you what, come with me. I want to show you what hasn't closed here at First Baptist in these last months. I want to, I want to show you. Ken, give me a, give me a bit of a, a, a pan here. Show me a little bit of what, uh, what's around here. What you are seeing is a church that hasn't closed. You are looking at the, the food pantry here in the narthex, our, our welcoming space, the space that we said we're going to welcome each other on the way into worship. And now we've said we're going to worship all those who need. We're going to welcome all those who need the love of Christ spoken to them, especially the most vulnerable, especially those who are hungry, especially those that this pandemic has hit hardest. This has been church. This has not closed. Church, you have not closed. You have been open. I was standing here with some of the saints of the food pantry in the just a few days ago when somebody came from a, um, a ministry here in town uh, caring for those uh, in connection with Burt Nash, those that are suffering not only from uh, mental health issues but also from uh, some pretty significant uh, uh, housing uh, issues, some significant hunger issues, and, and they come and they bring, they bring food from our food pantry to those families in the deepest need. And he looked at us and said, you know, I don't know where we would have been without the churches. I don't know if we could have done this work without you all. And so when I hear the church is getting ready to open up, you've missed 13 months of us being opened up, of being church together, of being who Christ has called us to be. And be careful when you follow the food pantry out the door because the church of Christ has changed. Is changing, it's reshaping even in our midst. That's one of the phrases that I don't like. There's another. The other is that, uh, that we should go uh, here soon back to normal. Again, I, I don't love that language either because what that presumes is that there's, there's something about what happened before the pandemic that was what we want. 
right? That 2019 was just fine, right? There weren't any hungry people in 2019. There weren't any people dealing with homelessness or, or housing insecurity in 2019. There weren't any people on the margins in 2019. There weren't any people that were afraid that were dealing with mental health. No, 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 2019 was fine. Let's go back to normal. Church, let me say this as clearly as I can. If we go back to normal, we have failed. Because God has better than normal in store for us. God has better than the brokenness that we saw before the pandemic, the brokenness that we've seen in the pandemic. God has better than normal. If we go anywhere, we go back to abnormal. The abnormality of saying this world is not right. Our widows and orphans need to be cared for. We cannot continue to say that our children can walk across five-lane highways to get to school. We cannot continue to say to those most vulnerable elderly in our population, well, sorry, you're out of luck. We cannot continue to say that weekly shootings are normal because we live in America. We don't say that anymore because we, as the church of Jesus, have chosen to follow the food pantry out the door. And just like Stephen, we have chosen to say that is not the normal of Jesus. We choose the abnormality of love, of inclusion, of grace, of service, of shalom, of peace, of caring for all of God's children. And until we get to abnormal, we've got work to do. Thank you. Thank you for the ways that you have been church. In these last months. Thank you as you lead us now back to abnormal. Let us pray. God of grace, God of service, and God of love, you have taught us how to be church in these months. Teach us how to be church in the days ahead. Your widows and your orphans cry out. May we hear their cries. May we meet their needs. May we show them your love. Because we too have been loved. Let us follow Stephen out the door and be who your church needs us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready as a church to go back to abnormal? Back to the abnormality of love and justice and peace that Jesus calls us to. If you're ready to join this congregation and say, yes, I want to be a part of this church, you're invited to come. Fill it out on the form. Let us know that you want to become a part of this congregation. Maybe you're ready to, to follow Jesus into the waters of baptism and say, this is where I want to be. This is how I want to, to die to self and live, to walk in newness of life. Whatever your response would be, give us a response. Let us know how you want to join the church of abnormality of First Baptist in Lawrence. Let us sing.
Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my song in glory his face I at last shall see twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous Wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Well, church, we continue to do the work that we have been called to do in these coming days. Today continues to be a busy day. At two o'clock, the uh, uh, the older the, the nine or the sorry the ten to twelve grade uh, ABY will meet. Uh, here in person, uh, socially distanced and masked as they uh, do their ABY session. Uh, then uh, this evening on Zoom, we'll gather for our final reshape as we ask uh, God um, and one another, how might we be church together uh, in these days? Uh, next week, next Sunday is a big Sunday. Uh, we have a couple other big events. We'll have our quarterly business gathering. That'll be at 12.30 again on Zoom. It'll be a, a virtual meeting as we gather uh, together uh, during our, our quarterly time to talk about uh, the first quarter and talk about uh, what, what comes next. Uh, and then in the afternoon, that afternoon, we have a special opportunity to, uh, uh, to do two things at once. Uh, alongside of Pastor Christina, as she is uh, both ordained and also installed as our associate pastor. And so you are invited to be a part of that uh, and celebrate along with her. 
It will be a, a virtual event, uh, and so you'll be uh, able to, uh, to join on the live stream and see folks from all over uh, her journey, her spiritual journey, uh, gathering as we celebrate together with her. And then May 2nd is a big day in the life of this church. <laughs> it's not the day that we open up, but it is the day that we return to in-person, in-sanctuary worship here at First Baptist. Um, as we shared several weeks ago, the SLT made the determination that when the, the county health department deemed that it was safe and uh, raised the restriction on, uh, on gathering limit size, uh, that we would follow suit and that we would, uh, within two weeks, uh, begin our Sunday morning worship together. Well, on uh, Wednesday this past week, the county uh, voted to do just that, and so uh, we go together in these coming days. In these next couple of weeks, we will prepare and get ready. And then on May 2nd, for the first time in 60 weeks, we will gather in this place for worship on a Sunday morning. As we gather in the sanctuary, we will be masked. Uh, we will be socially distanced. We will continue our live stream. If you are not able or uh, do not want to be in this space, you will not miss out on worship. We will continue to live stream as well. There will be folks here in this space doing worship together, doing church together in special ways. You are invited on May 2nd and in the days ahead. And so I offer a benediction once again from Enuma Okoro, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and Shane Claiborne with these words. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you, May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.